Welcome, everybody. It's time for another episode of Asher Sales Sense, brought to you by Asher Strategies, the only global sales training company that integrates leading sales methodologies and the latest neuroscience studies into a simple and repeatable 10-step process for sales success. I'm Susan Finch, your announcer for Asher Sales Sense. And I'm Dave Potts in the Asher Strategy Studio in Washington, D.C. Our host today is Kyle O'Connell, Senior Sales Facilitator and Coach at Asher Strategies. Kyla's guest is Clint Pulver, Emmy Award-winning keynote speaker, author, and professional drummer. A former private pilot turned generational workforce expert, Clint has dedicated his professional career as the undercover millennial, uncovering the secrets to what leaders are doing right. The title of the show is How Great Leaders Create Organizations That Their People Never Want to Leave. Kyla, over to you. Thank you, Dave, and welcome, Clint. We're so happy to speak with you today. Thanks, you too. It's an honor to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I love the title of your book, and I can't wait to, to dive into it. But I will tell you, because I want my listeners to know that they have to go to your website. It is so fun. <laughs> 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 the way that you interact with your audiences and the drumming and all of it. It's just a lot of fun. I found myself kind of hanging out there for a while. So, and we could talk about so many different things. You're, you know, a pilot and a key, Emmy award-winning keynote speaker. I mean, I'm really just super impressed with you, Clint, and we're really thankful that you're spending time with us today. No, it's an honor. I appreciate you guys having me on the show and, and thanks for the compliments on the website. I mean, well, <laughs> Yeah, you're doing great stuff. So tell us about the Undercover Millennial program and how it came to be. Yeah, it's a great question. So five years ago, I was on a leadership mastermind retreat in New York City. And we were meeting with other business executives and CEOs. And we were talking about how they built their culture, how they built their organization. And this one specific gentleman that we met with, he owned a large sporting good retail chain on the East Coast. And we're talking to him about his business and his strategy and his like big theme and uh, was, was this phrase, you got to adapt or you're going to die. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's a thick New Yorker, uh, you know, been there for <laughs> ages. And I'll never forget when he said, you got to adapt or you're going to die. It was, very, <laughs> it, was very, it was very profound. And I agreed with him. And he talked about how he's had to change their business strategy to meet the demands of the marketplace. And it makes sense. You've got to adapt. And the way we do business today versus the way we did business 20 years ago is just totally different. And then I asked the question, what about your management style? Have you had to change how you manage employees today versus how you manage employees 20 years ago? And he fired back and said, nope, mm -mm. the way I manage today is the same way I managed 20 years ago. And we get results. It was another pretty bold statement. And I remember I looked around and in his store were all young employees, like my age or younger. Like, and I'm a millennial and I'm talking Gen Z, high school, college age students. And I just thought for a minute, I said, I wonder if they would say the same thing. Mm. I wonder if they would have the same perception that the CEO and the executive had, like that, that everything's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> and so I thank the gentleman for his time. We had 35 minutes to kill until I needed to be to the next place. And so I went up to the first employee just out of curiosity. And I said, I just have a question. What's it like to work here? And mind you, I I was wearing a backwards hat. I looked like a customer. I was a customer. I wasn't dressed official or like I just was another person in the store. 
And he looked around. He got really quiet. I felt like we were doing an illegal drug exchange. <laughs> and then he told me everything. Oh, okay. And he looked at me and he said, he said, do you really want to know? And I said, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just curious. And he said, I can't stand it here. Mm. He said, I, I literally, honestly, I feel like I'm a cog in the wheel. I don't even think my manager knows I'm here today. Yeah. Like, it, it's, just, it's just a job, dude. He's like, it's the grind. I, I cannot stand it. Oh. And then I said, well, why are you still working here then? And he said, oh, dude, man, I've applied already to three other places. And as yeah. soon as I get a chance to bounce, I'm gone. And yeah. I thought, maybe the kid's having a bad day. So I went and asked another employee and another and another. And at the end of the 35 minutes that I had, I had interviewed six of his employees. And at the end of that time, five out of the six of those employees said they would not be working for this guy in his store in less than three and a half months. It was a pivotal moment because I thought to myself, oh, my goodness, the perception of the CEO versus the reality of what the employees were actually experiencing was completely night and day different. Yeah. And I thought, well, you know, what if the CEO could hear this, right? And yeah. that, was it. that was the moment that started the undercover millennial program. It's kind of like undercover boss without the makeup. Right. And over the course of these five years, I have worked with 181 organizations and I have interviewed undercover over 10,000 employees mm -hmm. and we created wow. an environment where they could speak their truth. And I believe that we've collected the most real and authentic data behind how great leaders created organizations that their people never wanted to leave. Wow. Well, that's very interesting that he, you would think he would have had more insight if he was dealing with a high turnover issue which I imagine he was, but maybe yeah. just correlating it to retail environments where they obviously are much more turnover there than, so with, with regard to the 181 organizations, I imagine that spanned a whole bunch of different uh, like B2B organizations, more professional roles and so forth. And you started to see similar correlations. Absolutely. Yeah. We've done hospitality, retail, food and beverage, construction, the medical field, tech companies, sales organizations. Pretty yeah. much you name it. And we've had an association within that industry. Yeah. And the, the cool thing is the universal trends that came about. Because when I would walk up to an employee, you know, the magic of the research was not found when an employee was dissatisfied with their job. The magic of the research is when I would go up to an employee and say, what's it like to work here? And they would say, I love it here. Oh, my gosh. I love my job. I love my manager, our culture, like what we're doing. Like we're just treated so well, we, we feel seen, we're heard, you know, there's opportunity for growth. And then yeah. when that response would trend in an organization mm -hmm. from employee to employee to employee, when there was a consistent trend of, I love it here, I love my job. And then again, the magic behind how great leaders were creating organizations that created that type of response. So what were some of the trends that you saw in those organizations where majority, if not all of the people were saying, I love it here? Yeah, always management is the biggest key factor that I think we have to address first because management is the number one reason why people leave. It's also the number one reason why people stayed in an organization. Yeah. Now, there's an interesting thing here that I think is worth addressing because when we talk about leadership, when we talk about management, we usually focus on those two things, leadership or management. But in our research, we found that when an employee was dissatisfied with their job, when they weren't happy, 
they talked about the manager. But when an employee loved their job, they talked about the mentor. Now, mentorship is not leadership. Mentorship is not management. Mentorship is not a title. Mm -hmm. You cannot be just given the, the, the job title of a mentor, right? Like we would throw around a manager or you're the leader or you're the executive or you're the director. Mentorship must be earned. You might have the title of, of a manager or the administrator, but your people will decide if you're a mentor. Mentorship was really interesting because it had to be earned and it was who those leaders became in the eyes of their employees to the point where they became an advocate, not just a developer. Right. They became somebody that that employee said, I like myself best when I'm with you. You are the person that because of who you are, you will connect me to my dreams. Mm-hmm. And if you look at any great like film or a good story or a good movie, you always have the main hero in that story. And then who always appears? The mentor. Right. Right. Like Luke Skywalker had Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? <laughs> uh, Katniss Everdeen. She had Hamish. Rocky. I love Rocky. Yeah. Rocky had Mick. Right. Aladdin had the genie. Right. They had these, these key people that connect them to their dreams. And it's a fundamental principle in good salesmanship as well. Agreed. You know, when, you, when you don't become just the sales professional, you're not just the sales guy. Yeah. You're not just the, the sales girl on the floor. No, you're the mentor. You're the person that connects other people to their dreams. And it was a beautiful, beautiful thing to witness. So do you think that is something that the managers or leaders, whatever you want to call them, were consciously aware that they were a mentor manager and that they purposefully put it into place? Or do you think it's just a born thing? You know, we, we talk about that in, in salespeople a lot too. Are the elite salespeople born or made? And, and we believe that the answer is both. <laughs> but what about the mentor manager? Do you believe that that is a calling that just comes out of them naturally? Or do you think that they learn specifically how to do it? Or maybe it's a combination of both. Maybe they, they are naturals and then they purposefully use that gift to be the most effective manager. Anybody that ever became a mentor possessed five characteristics. And it's really important, I think, to to note these. Uh, I call them the five C's of mentorship. Number one is they have confidence. It's a mindset. They're confident Mm -hmm. in themselves and they're confident in where they can take people and how they can get them to where that person wants to go. Confidence is key. Number two is credibility. What's your history? What's your resume? What's your background? Number three is competence. You might know everything about selling cars, but do you understand the process? Do you know how to build relationships? I'm a professional drummer. I want to study with someone who's a practitioner, not just a theorist. Mm -hmm. Number four, they had the ability to have candid conversations. Candor was a part of what they could do for an employee or for the customer. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be straight with you. I'm not going to give you fluff. I'm going to give you honest feedback on how I'm going to get you to where you want to go. And then the last C is the ability to care. Yeah. Like I truly deeply care about you as a customer. I care about you as an employee. And my job is to help you get where you want to go. Those are the five C's of mentorship that I think ultimately help us to mentor with people because they connect us to our dreams. Kyle, excuse me for interrupting. It's time for a quick commercial break. 
Over 200 correlation studies show that natural aptitude is the most significant factor in predicting sales success. Asher's Advanced Personality Questionnaire, the APQ, consistently identifies peak performers in outside sales, inside sales, sales management, customer support, and 17 other business positions. Go to asherstrategies.com today or call 866-833-9941. That's Asher Strategies at 866-833-9941. We've been speaking with Clint Pulver about how great leaders create organizations their people never want to leave. Now back to Kyla and Clint. Well, Clint, thank you so much for outlining those five C's of mentorship. I think that is really going to help a lot of our listeners who are in these positions be very purposeful about those five C's. And I couldn't agree more. Having worked with hundreds, if not, could be in the thousands by now, (laughs) organizations over the last 15 years, you know, I totally agree with you that most of the time people, if there's high turnover, it is because of the manager. And that is directly correlates also with one of our five factors of sales success, which is motivation. And we can have a salesperson who has the highest amount of product knowledge. They have this very high natural aptitude for sales. They've been through enormous amounts of sales training, right? They've got all these other factors working in alignment. But if they're not motivated, then nothing's happening. None of that even matters, Right. And I have in my research and data and experience have correlated that when motivation, when that factor is not in alignment most of the time, it's because of the manager. So, you know, this is so critical for our listeners. So you mentioned the word advocate, and and I I like that word. Let's dive a little deeper there. So what is the difference between advocating and developing an employee? Yeah, it's a great question. There are four types of managers. We could even, for for the purpose of this podcast, we could even call them the four types of sales professionals. It really trends towards all levels of leadership and influence. and, And obviously, good salesmanship is all about good influence. So if an employee was satisfied or dissatisfied with a manager, or in this case, we can talk about the customer as well. There's always two variables that were really fundamental in this. Number one was the ability to connect. They could relate. They could understand where I was coming from. They understood that I'm a person, not just the next cell. And I'm not just an employee. I actually have a life outside of work. (laughs) But the second component is standards, right? When you as a sales professional understand, yes, you've got a quota. You've got goals. There's a certain price that you can't go below in your sales or as a manager You've got to increase productivity. You've got different demands that you've got to meet as well. We need to make a profit in our business. So standards and connection are two variables we will use as I illustrate these four different types of people. So the first sales professional or the the first type of manager that we find is what we call the removed manager. Mm. This is the manager or the sales professional and they're just burnt out. They're Mm -hmm. tired. They're low on connection. And they're low on standards. These are the people that are kind of in the organization, but they're not into the organization. These are the salespeople that should have stopped and retired like 20 years ago. They're just (laughs) burnt out. And so what does this create in their employees? What does this create in the customer experience? Disengagement. 
you know, why would I be engaged as a customer out on the lot selling, buying a car when, when the salesperson could care less whether I buy or not? Mm. They, they could care less whether I know about the car and the safety features. They're just <laughs> honestly doing, they're just here. They're removed from the process. Yeah. And the same thing with the manager. My manager could care less if I show up on time. So why should I show up on time? So Got the second it. one, the second one though, is what we call the buddy manager <laughs> or the buddy sales professional. They're really good at connecting. They're all about being friends and they, they want to be liked more than they are respected. Mm. They don't want to ruffle feathers. They, I, I don't want to offend somebody. So yes, yes, I'll give you the 50% discount. I just, I, I, want, I want you to buy something. I just want you to be my friend and let's go play Xbox on the weekends. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and it happens a lot in management where again, they don't want to ruffle feathers. They don't want people to dislike them. So they will do whatever it is to, to be a buddy. And so what does this create in the employees? Entitlement. Mm. This sense of where almost the employee becomes more of the boss than the boss. Or you've seen this with customers, sales customers. Uh, you know, they they be, they run the show more than the sales professional does. Yeah, because there's no there's no there's no standard. There's no sense of expectation here in this process. The third is unfortunately the most common, especially in management, and it's what we call the controlling manager. This is the manager that's really high on standards, but they're low on connection. This is the person that, you know that hard sales manager that's like just grow the numbers. I don't care how it happens. We hit quota. We sell here. And don't, 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 don't whine to me. Don't, don't complain to me about how, you know, it's hard to sell a house right now. Do you know how we used to sell houses in real estate? <laughs> we didn't have Facebook. We didn't have any software to track things. We, no, no, we, we blood, sweat and tears. Put your head down, go to work. Be glad you have a job. I show right. you that I love you because I give you a paycheck. Mm-hmm. And what does this create in the workforce? Rebellion. Pushback. These are the managers that just go toe to toe with every employee instead of going shoulder to shoulder. And here's the thing. They get results. They really do. The fear-based tactics, the command and control, it can get results for a time, but it does not last. Right. Short-lived. And the goal in sales, the goal in good customer service, the goal in business is to maintain longevity, is to grow, but to still stay in the game is to consistently be able to influence, not just a short-term gain. You know, that doesn't help anybody long-term. You are in the business of creating lasting influence. It's the difference between a successful business and a significant business. But the fourth manager, the fourth sales professional, and that, that this was the key. And I call them the mentor manager, mm-hmm. the mentor sales professional. They're equally high on their standards as much as they are on their ability to connect. And what does this create in the customer and the employee experience? Respect. Mm. They might not always be liked, right? But they are respected. And they create this standard where, again, they have the ability to advocate as much as they develop. Listen, as a sales professional, I'm on your side. I, I get it. I get where you're coming from as a customer, but also we have a threshold. Yeah. And you know, we've got specific numbers that I can't go past. And this is what we need to do. And this is where we go. And it, it creates this respectful relationship where people like themselves best because of them. I think it's really important in sales and in management to ask yourself, how do people experience you? And how do they experience themselves when they're with you? 
Mm-hmm. And when you can step into that role as the mentor through this process, that you become the catalyst, you become the person that connects them to their dreams. It becomes a very, very powerful equation. Well, I love that you gave us kind of that four types of managers. And I actually made, I like models. So I made an ad, you know, an X and a Y axis, put connection on one and standards on the other with, you know, yes. low to high and, and kind of put it in those quadrants. And because I think that when you say something like we, you know, the best managers connect people to their dreams, sometimes managers don't know exactly what that means. But I love that this model, because some people's dreams might be way beyond the current situation that they're in, or, and I see this too, I probably bump into more of the controlling managers than I do any of the other three. I think that's what you said too, the most common. They just simply don't have that natural empathy to care or to ask, right? (laughs) So that's kind of where I've tried to insert that awareness. Like, look, you you have to act like you care about these people. And I just love that there's this model because, you know, we have a personality assessment and it's just amazing to me when people take it and they see their scores and sometimes they have these extremes in their personality and they're completely unaware that they had these extremes. You're spot on. You know, and so until I had that data to give them that model and like, look, you answer these questions. This is clearly you giving me this data. It's not a problem because, you know, personalities, there's no good or bad personality. It's just causing a blind spot here. I think that the four types of managers and that connection and standards kind of, you know, looking at it from an X and Y axis, you really start to position, find out where, where do I fall? And if I'm not that mentor manager, then, you know, what do I need to do to get there? And I'm sure that's where some of your work comes in as well. Correct? Yeah. And if, here's the thing is you need these people, you need these people to be invested. You need these people to be engaged. You need these people to be productive. And I have always said this, and I believe this, no significant loyalty will ever happen without significant connection. Yeah. And, and so many managers are like, ah, oh, you can see tell me I got to get the soft skills. Like, I got to focus on the intangibles. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> and unless you want to be a solo entrepreneur, then no. But if you want to work with people and you want to empower people and you want to create an opportunity where people don't just survive at the workplace, but they actually thrive, then yes, you have to connect. And if you don't, then guess what? If your people can't grow where they're at, they will go and grow somewhere else. Right now, the time that we're recording this in 2021, this time period with COVID-19, everybody has hunkered down. Mm-hmm. Retention rates are like at an all-time high because employees were nervous. Everybody's kind of nervous. I have no idea what's going to happen. So maybe the job I was going to go and leave and go do something else or, I, you know, I don't know. It's uncertain. So I'm just, I'm hunkering down. But I promise you right now, we are entering into what I call, I'm calling right now the, the 2021 job churn. Mm where in Q3 and Q4, as we come out of this, two things have happened. Your employees have had time to think about other opportunities. Yes. Second, your employees will remember how you have treated them during this time. And we have done undercover research during COVID-19 and my goodness, how some employees have been treated during this crisis is unbelievable. And as soon as they can bounce, they are gone. And there will be an exodus. And I think now more than ever, if you want to keep your really good players, your really good talent, you've got to learn how to connect. 
You've got to do the status interview. You've got to do other things that we talk about in the book that we could maybe talk about at another time. But if you don't connect, then they will go and find connection somewhere else. So I think it's something to, it's, it's really important to think about, especially yeah. right now in our economy. Well, and it to kind of go full circle back to where you started when you told the story that the CEO of the company did not feel like he needed to adapt his management style. If people think that still, after what we've all gone through in the last year or so, it used to bother me when people would blame, I'll use air quotes there, the need to change on a generation. You know, we heard this a lot in the millennials entered the workforce. Well, the millennials won't do this. Now they're blaming it on the even the younger generation, the Gen yeah, Zers. Crazy, crazy. Me too, because there are all types in every generation. And imagine that we all adapt and we work together. But none wow. of us have experienced what we just experienced. And in addition to every reason you just said there's going to be a job churn, data that I've researched and read about is that now that we all can work virtually, especially in the B2B space, you don't have to, you have to secure your compensation with your top people. You have to secure your connection because they may now get poached from someone in California. And if you live on the East Coast that never prior to this pandemic would have thought that we could have somebody that lives in DC work for a company in California, but now we're all remote. So it doesn't matter. We can go after anyone we want. That's right. That's right. So if you do not connect, if you do not get to the part about that person, that individual that's working for you, good luck retaining them. Kyla, unfortunately, it's time for a wrap up. Well, you have given us a lot to think about. Hopefully some people will be scared straight and get on the right track with their management style if if they're not in that mentor box and pick up this wonderful book. I love it here because nothing is more important than your people. Are there any last minute thoughts that you want to leave us with? I think that above the scare or the thought of, oh my gosh, I can't lose anybody. I think again, it's just a great reminder that you have the opportunity to help somebody live a life of significance, not just a life of success. As a manager, you really have the opportunity to influence people and help them write a better story. I look at some of the greatest influences in my life, those mentors, and they truly made my life a better story. And if people can live what they're passionate about, they have the ability to provide. And then they also have the sense of purpose where they get to do something bigger than themselves because of you. And the advocacy that you bring into their lives. I mean, what, a, what an opportunity. What a privilege. And to remember, it's more than just managing people. You get to mentor them. And you get to be that legendary person that if you do it right, they'll never forget you. We never forget the good ones. Absolutely. So Clint, how can my audience reach you? Because <laughs> I'm sure you're going to get some uh, people interested in speaking with you. Yeah, sure. They can go to clintpulver.com. And then again, the, the book's available on Amazon right now for pre-order. And then all the social media platforms are also great as well. Perfect. Thank you so much for bringing your wisdom to us. Keep, keep at it. You're doing great things out there. And uh, I just really enjoyed spending time with you today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show. Sure. Take care. And thank you. That's all the time we have for today. For our listeners, be sure to subscribe to Asher Strategies Radio on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast venue. You can also ask Alexa to play Asher Strategies Radio. From now until we meet again, John Asher reminds us to please, please get out there and sell something. 